there might not be something at that moment, but if you stay in touch and you continue to build your network and keep making those connections, like there will be something for sure. Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm so excited to have Lauren Link today on the podcast. You might know her on Instagram and Twitter as Link to Nutrition. Lauren will inspire you to go after your goals and pursue your sports dietitian dream. Lauren will remind you to stay in touch, build your network, and make connections to help open up the next door. Lauren Link is a registered dietitian and board-certified specialist in sports dietetics. She is the director of sports nutrition at Purdue University, where she played women's soccer and was a part of the 2007 Big Ten Tournament Championship team. As an undergrad, she completed a dual degree in dietetics and in nutrition, fitness, and health, and would later complete her master's from Purdue in health and kinesiology. Lauren began her professional career as a clinical dietitian with St. Vincent's Hospital before returning to her alma mater in 2014 as the program's first full-time sports dietitian. As the director of sports nutrition at Purdue, she oversees all sports nutrition operations and staff and works directly with football, men's basketball, soccer, and volleyball. In addition to fueling her athletes for success on the field, she is also passionate about helping athletes successfully navigate the transition into the real world. She has led multiple initiatives to this end, founding the Purdue Student Athlete Community Garden, spearheading a program called BLAST for Boiler Life After Sport, designed to help address key components of athletes' transition to normal human status, and in 2017, published her first book on the subject, The Healthy Former Athlete. She is a member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, SCAN, and is currently the Vice President of the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietitians Association. Let's jump in and let's meet Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Liz. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. How's Big Ten Life holding up? It's chugging along. It was a little hit or miss there this summer, but we're back on for football season. So fingers crossed we can just keep it rolling. Hopefully you guys will get in the games that you need. I feel like I feel like we're in a good time right now just to get them in and then, you know, hopefully basketball will, will be on its way. And like you said, we'll just keep chugging along. Exactly. I've knocked on a lot of wood the past few months. I'm like, don't say anything to jinx anything. I know. I know. All right. So I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So I actually met Lauren through an interview process when I was applying for jobs and I remember I applied and there was a box that said something like, have you been a dietitian for a year or like something where clearly HR was trying to like cut people off and not like you should lie, but I'm a horrible liar. And I was a dietitian for like 11 months on the dot. And I know HR was like looking for someone that was like a year. So I wrote 11 months and this was like July of 2017. And like two weeks went by and I was probably like a good three months into like the interview process of not at Purdue, but just like in general of looking for jobs. So I kind of was like hitting a switch on like, just, just go for it. So I reached out to Lauren. Do you remember that? I do vaguely now that you say that. Yeah. And 
I basically was like, hi, Lauren, just wanted to follow up. Like I sent in my application or something. And then you wrote back like, yeah, like it must've got slipped through HR. And anyways, so I ended up getting an onsite interview. But the point of that story was like, if I never would have reached out to Lauren and just not like asked a silly question, but I was trying to be like, hey, like just wondering, did you get my application? Like I would have never gotten the chance to interview. So that's how I met Lauren. And, and then when I started at UConn, I remember you sent me like some goal setting sheet that's been super, super helpful. So like every year there's like goals that you set and there's more like broad goals. And then there's like almost like smart goals under the broad goals. And there's like some short-term goals, some long-term goals. And every year I've been able to kind of use that to evaluate, you know, where I am with like my progress um, at our program, but also see like what I have still yet to accomplish. So that's been very helpful. This year, I can't say I've used it that much because I think the goal of this year is just to survive it, but um, right. yeah. I love it. I love that you still have that. And for those listening, Liz killed her interview at Purdue. We were super interested in her, but then she decided to take the UConn offer, which was totally understandable and move into that director role. So very cool. And I do remember that's how we met. All right, let's jump in. Can you take us through your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yes. So you'll probably notice a bit of a theme pretty quickly, but I did my undergrad at Purdue University where I also played soccer and I did a double major in dietetics and nutrition, fitness, and health. And I knew pretty early on that I was interested in at least the premise of sports nutrition. Um, There was not a lot of jobs at the time. I think when I was in school, for sure, there were less than 10 full-time dietitians at the collegiate level. And Purdue did not have a full-time, but we did have a part-time dietitian, Rachel Clark, who worked 50% in athletics and 50% in uh, nutrition science teaching. And if you had asked me during my undergrad, like, what do you want to do with your dietetics degree? No hesitation would have said, I want to do what Rachel Clark does. Um, So we'll come back to that. But so I finished my undergrad. I did my dietetic internship through Purdue as well. And in my engagement rotation at the end, which is where you can you know, kind of pick what you're interested in. I asked if I could do it with the athletic department and no one had ever done it with our athletic department before, but I asked the question and um, Rachel and they had actually added a second part-time in that year or so gap. And so Rachel and Whitney were both part-time there in the athletic department and they were pumped to have a dietetic intern come on. So that was my first exposure like working in sports nutrition and I loved it. Um, I finished my dietetic internship and studied for my RD exam and actually planned my wedding at the time too. And I did any volunteering I could with the athletic department still, because I still lived in the area. So I remember like anything they would let me help with, maybe food demos. Um, I remember making smoothies for the football team, uh, quote unquote, like a fueling station, which at the time was a fold out table and like a bin of fruit and granola bars. Um, So I did any volunteering that I could during that time. And then when I got my RD credential, I took my first dietitian job as a floating dietitian with St. Vincent Health. So I was a clinical dietitian. I'd never heard the term floating dietitian, but I was so glad that I did that job uh, because I got such a wide breadth of experience in a really short time. And I essentially spent, you know, sometimes I was at a big hospital in Indianapolis working with a team of dietitians and I got exposure to the ICU, um, acute rehab, the NICU, oncology, the head and neck unit. And then some days I was the only dietitian covering a really small hospital, like 25 bed hospital. 
Um, I, I also covered like a maternity leave, for instance, for a food service manager at a hospital. So I just got a ton of different experience um, over about a year. I did that for about a year. And at some point, a coach at Purdue texted me and said, hey, did you hear Whitney was leaving? And I had not. So I immediately texted Rachel and was like, hey, I heard Whitney's leaving. Who are you going to hire for that job? How are you going to fill that position? And essentially bothered her into letting me fill that position. Um, so they hired me on, but it was part-time and it was temporary. So I took a bit of a risk and asked my clinical job if I could go down to part-time. And luckily they said yes, but I feel confident that I would have taken the risk financially if they had not and just gone part-time temporary at Purdue and hoped for the best. And so I then was doing every other day, one day clinical, one day sports nutrition, which involved a lot of like flipping my brain back and forth between the two is really challenging at times. Um, but I loved the sports nutrition setting, uh, really solidified, like this is definitely what I want to do. And at some point, a few months in, so Rachel and I worked on creating a proposal to keep me full time. And I remember at some point, I don't know exactly what happened, but something that was like, this is not going to happen. Like, it's not going to come together. I'm going to have to go back to just clinical. And I remember sitting in my car in the parking lot, just crying, like, oh, you know, I was so close to this dream job and it's not going to happen. Uh, but I, you know, pulled myself together and remember thinking, well, it's not over till it's over. And I started like hitting the streets at football practice. And I was talking to like the director of ops, the strength coach, even some of the coaches saying like, listen, like you need me, you need 50% of a position dedicated just to football. And this is what we could do with that. Um, and again, I guess like bothered people into hiring me on full time. So in July of 2014, I was hired full-time. I was Purdue's first full-time sports dietitian. Uh, I was pumped. I was like in my dream job under my mentor of many years. I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to learn so much. And about two weeks later, uh, Rachel came into my office, closed the door and informed me that she had resigned and that she was going to teach full-time in the university. And like crushed doesn't even really put it into words. Like I was just beside myself. I was like, oh my gosh, like how am I, who am I gonna learn from? Like, how am I gonna do this? And Liz, I can't make this up. About a week after that was August, 2014 when a little thing called deregulation happened. What's gonna ask? Oh my gosh. And so again, I remember sitting in my office, closing the door and crying and just thinking like, <laughs> How, how am I going to do this by myself? Um, and so in the first like six to 12 months of that role, I had all 18 sports by myself. I was given a budget for the first time ever in our department's history, was trying to figure out what the heck a fueling station was and how we were gonna pull that off. Um, and luckily pretty quickly in like a couple months in was able to hire a second full-time. Um, so that helped a lot, but like my first experience hiring someone. So it was just a hot mess, but it obviously worked out. And I, I do remember thinking as I sat in that office at some point, like panicking, just having the thought of like, all right, Lauren, like you're either going to sink or swim. So let's start paddling and figure it out. Um, so obviously fast forward. And now I think this will be year seven at Purdue uh, in the director role and loving it. We've had a ton of growth. It's been awesome to see, but uh, definitely was a little rocky at the, at the beginning. Oh my goodness. I think you figured it out. <laughs> Purdue. Um, 
That is amazing. I'm just picturing like just crying in your office and like deregulation, everyone just like cheering outside. Right. It was one of those things where it was like, oh my gosh, like I literally will never forget where I was when I saw that it passed. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then a moment of like, oh crap, like how do we do this? Um, so yeah, wild, amazing. wild timing. Amazing. Can you talk about how you were saying you were bothering like what do you really mean? Because I think that's a really good skill that like a lot of, I'm not saying like bother people into getting a job, but like, what do you feel like made you stand out in a good way? Right. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for sure, I think follow up and you're right. There's, there's a good and a bad way to do it. And you don't want to actually like bother people to the point where you're annoying. But I think not only just like continuing to follow up, but trying to help them solve the problem, you know, like how can you, how are you part of the solution? And I remember even when I was talking to Rachel, kind of like trying to do some of that for her, like, man, it's in the middle of the semester. That's going to be a hard hire. Would be great to have somebody who's already been there, which is me as a dietetic intern. Um, think about how much easier that would be. And even with football, <clears throat> just trying to help them understand, like, how can I fit? And like, they had never had it before, right? So helping them fill in the gap of like, what could that look like? Not just like, hey, I need to be here more often, but like, what am I going to be doing for you guys? And how does it impact you? Um, those were the conversations I was trying to have as often as possible without being totally irritating. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Like, how can I help you versus like, I need to be in athletics because I want to be here. And obviously you got what you wanted and they got what they wanted too. They needed you. All right. So what is it like being a sports dietitian at a school you were a student athlete at? pros cons or just pros <laughs> <laughs> i think so i a couple cons do come to mind although con seems a little bit harsh or something but <laughs> i think it's fair for one thing to say you know like i've practically never left purdue and i definitely think <clears throat> there's something to be said for maybe your early mid 20s like hopping around and experiencing different places and different things i think that would have been awesome i think it would have been a lot of fun um but it's also hard to be mad about ending up in kind of your dream job early, right? Um, and I think too, people assume maybe like, oh, it's per like, Lauren is Purdue, she'll never leave Purdue. And I always say like, I'll never say never, um, I, but I will tell you, I've had a couple opportunities over the past few years to kind of challenge this idea. And a couple things seemed like I might be a little crazy to turn them down, but so far nothing has been able to top what I feel like I have here. Um, the other con honestly is the emotional investment that I have for Purdue can sometimes be almost exhausting. Uh, I mean, imagine with me how much you love a team that you grew up cheering for and going to games and then imagine how much you love a team that you played for and that your husband played for. And then imagine how much you love a program that you spend like every waking moment and blood and sweat and tears at. And then if they're all the same program, it's like sometimes just exhausting. I think back like two years ago, we were about a quarter of a second away from the final four, our basketball program, and we lost. Ooh, if Randy that. Bird's listening, he, I'll never be able to look at him the same. But the, I'm telling you a part of my soul like died that day. I don't know that it'll ever come back. And so sometimes, I just wish some once in a while that I was like more casually invested because when things don't go right, I'm just like, oh, it hurts down to my core. Um, but obviously the flip side of that is that 
I do. I mean, I love this place. I love the program. Uh, the sense of community is like times 10 because a lot of these people are people that poured into me as a student athlete um, and getting to work with them on the flip side and, and just being able to give back to a program that I love so much is a definite pro. Um, I still get the warm and fuzzies when I hear the fight song and like game day is it's just like so nostalgic at the same time. Um, so that's a definite pro. And I think we have a lot of like hard and stressful times, right? We put in a lot of hours. There are definite cons to this profession at times. So to do those things somewhere where, that you love and you literally love going to work every day is, is pretty hard to beat. Um, the other, the other pro that I think of is just the fact that we're kind of like a home hub for a lot of our former teammates, our friends and alumni. So it's like all the time people are coming back for games, for events, and we call our house Hotel Link and we love it. Uh, we love having people come back and, and getting to see people with that kind of frequency. So that's a definite pro too. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's like, how do you, you're either all in or you're not. I don't know how you can't be all, I'd be all in too. Right. Right. All right. So Lauren has a book, The Healthy Former Athlete. Can you tell us about the aha moment that you had when you knew like, you know, you're going to write this, was it an aha moment or was it something you were thinking about for a while? Yeah. I mean, I would tell you, I never thought I would write a book. Like it's not something that was a goal of mine for a long time or anything. Uh, when I finished playing soccer collegiately, I had, I finished in December and I graduated in December too, because I had a fifth fall from redshirting my freshman year. And if anybody knows me, I'm like a borderline psychopath when it comes to like needing to be doing something all the time, like needing to stay busy. And so I finished that fall and the whole spring, I had nothing to do. I wasn't playing, I didn't have school and I didn't start my dietetic internship until the fall. So I just remember thinking like, what do people do with this kind of time? And one of the things that I did was start a blog and that blog was called From Athlete to Normal Human, The Transition. Um, and that was before blogs were really a thing. So I'm pretty sure my main reader was my mom. And I just really like once in a while would write things down that I found like weird. I was like, this is a weird moment. Like I've been an athlete my whole life and I never once thought about this. And it was all kinds of stuff. Um, some about nutrition and working out and some about like how I was gonna cut my hair and like weird things. Um, so then cut to a couple years later, I was working in sports nutrition at the time and was starting to realize that a lot of people had these thoughts or these questions around the transition. And I had athletes coming to me, whether they were about to finish or they had finished within the last year saying, I don't know how to manage my calories when I'm done. I don't know how to manage my weight. I don't know how to do a workout by myself. I've always had a coach like hanging over my head, making sure I did it. And so it occurred to me, and I had a conversation at the time with Kathy Wright Eager, who's our leadership coordinator. She recently retired, but for many, many years was in that role. And I essentially said to Kathy, man, I feel like we do so much to prepare our athletes for their time here at Purdue to be a really good athlete, but we don't do much to prepare them for after sport, right? Like we just kind of wish them good luck and, you know, see you later. So Kathy and I started a group called Blast or Boiler Life After Sport, and it still runs to this day. It's a program we're really proud of. And it was essentially geared at how do we help our athletes be ready for this transition out of sport? And when we first started Blast, I'm getting to the aha moment. When we first started Blast, I did a Google search. <clears throat> I remember thinking like, I'm going to pull up some resources on this topic. And we 
can, you know, either get them for our athletes or at least tell them that they're out there. And I literally found nothing, like not one thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, nothing exists on this topic. And I had a conversation with my sister who is very handily an editor by trade um, for magazines, not books, but similar enough. And was telling her like, this might be kind of crazy, but I kind of want to write a book um, about this idea of transitioning out of sport and like nothing like it exists. And I think I could really have it from a frame of a dietitian about nutrition and yada, yada, yada. And she was like, yeah, you should totally do that. And here we are. The rest is history. That is amazing. And it, it's so crazy too, because I mean, you know that I use the book here at UConn, but even when I give my athletes the book, like it, it is a resource because there's not, like you said, like there's not nothing really out there. I mean, now there's like articles because it's maybe being talked about more about mental health and nutrition and things like that. But um, it, it is nice as a dietitian to be like, hey, like here's something that's going to like help you transition out of sport. And it's not really funny, but when COVID happened on like March 12th, 13th, it was a Friday, like right after the world, like officially kind of ended. And it was our last day on campus. Remember it was pouring. It felt like the parent trap scene at the end, which is like super sad. And I saw like eight seniors walk by. And my first thought was like, oh my goodness, I have eight copies of Lauren's book, like in my cabinet. Like I literally oh. like flung the book at them. It was like probably not appropriate because it was like too soon that like, I might never see these athletes again. I just like threw the book at them. I was, I was like, this is way too soon, but guys, like if, if this helps you, maybe not this month, next month, just, just read right. it. Oh my gosh. I love it. That's funny. But yeah, no, I, it's an incredible book. Do you miss the first title a bit? Yeah. So I republished and that's a, that could be a whole podcast in itself, but um, the original title was from athlete to normal human based on the original blog, uh, which ends up being my chapter headers. A lot of those blog entries um, and yeah, I mean, I could go either way. They, the publishers, I always tell myself, like they do this for a living. They know apparently what's more marketable, what's not. But um, I do have a, a soft spot for that original title and the original cover. I think, yeah, I think I only got the, the old title. I don't think I ever got the Healthy Former Athlete one. Gotcha. Well, so same got, book for those confused. Yeah, same book. Same book. <laughs> All right. What has been the most rewarding yet unexpected part about writing a book? Um, I think, I mean, most rewarding is probably just those moments when you do hear from an athlete that it really resonated or really helped them in some way. And I think for some people, you know, like I, I do like to think, and I love hearing from athletes who it really helped them from a nutrition standpoint, um, manage some aspect, but I hear a lot of times too, just the fact of knowing that there weren't, they weren't the only ones going through it, right? Like there's this whole book about it and like, oh my gosh, people struggle with this and that's normal. Um, so I love hearing those kinds of stories. That's super rewarding. I think from an unexpected standpoint, I might just say the fact that the topic is being talked about more, and that certainly is not just attributable to my book. Um, I would like to think maybe a small little sliver of it is, but I do, I mean, it's crazy when you think five, 10 years ago, people weren't talking about this topic at all. Um, and there weren't resources out there. And you mentioned, right, there's articles now and it is, it's just way more talked about. And even at the collegiate level, I know BLAST was like really one of the only programs of its kind. And nowadays, even if it's not quite the same, I mean, it's almost a faux pas to not have some kind of transition. And that has really happened really quickly. 
Um, and I love when I see schools, like you mentioned, UConn uses the book. I think at this point, maybe seven or eight different schools have used the book for like pretty formal programming with their seniors or on as a gift on the way out. So like that kind of stuff is really cool to see and just know that it's no longer a topic that's not being talked about. It's being addressed. And I think that's huge. Yeah, that's amazing. When you look back at starting the sports nutrition program, what are your top memories or highlights of the growth of your program at Purdue? Hmm. That's hard because there's a lot. I mean, I think if I picture myself panicking in that office back in 2014 and then pan out oh, and amazing. think about just the extensive amount of resources, you know, that our administration has dumped in from going from a zero budget to well over a million dollar budget from zero fueling stations to now three primary and 12 satellite sites or something like that um, to having opportunities for all athletes to get meals in our facility. Uh, that kind of stuff is huge. And it really like hits like, wow, like we have come a long way and there's been a lot of buy-in and that's really cool. Um, but I think probably from a rewarding standpoint, the biggest thing would just be my staff, um, not only seeing it grow, right? So, I mean, anytime we add a full-time person, that's a huge investment and it's a huge impact that it can have on our student athletes. I mean, it's just like so impactful to have that whole other person um, to provide care, but I think too, just seeing my staff grow, I will say like, and I think they would agree, my staff that's here right now came and was probably a little bit like afraid to mess up, lacking some confidence um, and to be able to see them grow over these last few years. And now like the confidence that they operate with, how they impact their athletes every day um, is huge. I, I love that piece of it. So I think that's probably maybe the most rewarding part. That's amazing. I love how you just mentioned like the high, not like a highlight was you panicking, panicking in that room, but how like, not like the downs, but like those really scary moments are almost right. like the prime of like where you are today. I don't know. Like, it's just really cool to think like for anyone that feels like they're in like, not like the dumps, but like you just, I think everyone always feels like there's a time they're in the trenches and you're like never going to get out or something, but like you get out and then that moment is like so special, even though it was so hard, but it just kind of right. cool how it it changes. It just takes time. I think too, for anybody that might be listening, thinking like, oh my gosh, that's me right now. Um, me panicking or crying in my office alone. Um, I would do like reach out to people. That's what's so cool about this profession. Not just, I mean, mentors, like you got to have mentors. Um, I have plenty still to this day, um, but even just community, right? Like reach out to other people doing it. And I remember doing a ton of reaching out um, to the other big 10 dietitians at the time and just like, okay, what are people doing for this instance? Like what will a fueling station look like? How are you staffing this and that? And so, um, yeah, if anyone's feeling that way, don't hesitate to reach out because that is, I think what's so cool about our profession. Yes, I agree. Do not hesitate to reach out for sure. All right, on to our Q&A segment. We've only done this one other time before, but basically on the Instagram page, I put up a question where any student or any early professional can ask a question and I'll try to answer them with one of my guests. And actually the Purdue Nutrition Society asked a question. So I thought it'd be- Love it. For Lauren to um, answer this, but basically they asked about time management as a student trying to balance you know, schoolwork, trying to apply for the internship, a social life, um, you know, volunteering. And then also um, as a sports dietitian, how sports RDs manage so many teams or a staff or a budget. Um, so Lauren, if you want to go first and kind of share 
your advice? Sure. I think I'll, I'll answer mostly from a sports RD perspective, just because it's been a minute since I've been a student, but I think the student part. Okay. I think a lot of things apply kind of across the board. Um, I would say for one, you have to be able to prioritize and there are things that will sometimes pop up on my to-do list that just keep getting pushed back because ultimately they're not a priority. And maybe it's, you know, making a new handout or, I don't know, doing some fun little food demo or like I have all kinds of fun ideas and sometimes they just keep getting pushed back because the reality is they're not a priority at that moment. Um, And I think that just applies kind of all the time. You have to be able to prioritize and really ask us like what's needed from me right now? Like what are these kind of top tier things that I need to accomplish? And then, yeah, maybe sometimes you do get to those other things and maybe sometimes they just fall off um, after two years. I've done that. Um, (laughs) yeah, finally being like, yeah, all right, Lauren, that's not happening. Um, and then I think too, like efficiency, I would say is a learnable skill. Um, I will push my staff and our students often, whether it's, you know, looking at a handout and they're spending a ton of time on like the super nitty gritty things. I'm like, nope, like no more time for that. Like we have to be efficient or we're never going to get to the other stuff we have to do. That's not to say that some things don't deserve you know, that really attention oriented or a detail oriented attention. But I think being efficient and just sometimes challenging yourself to be like, nope, I don't need to spend that kind of time on this. This is something that I'm going to have to learn how to pump out quickly. Uh, I think that can be really important. And um, I guess maybe my last piece would just be with the prioritization piece. You do have to be able to prioritize yourself sometimes. Um, both as a student and a sports RD. And I would just challenge you to say like, is this important for me to go to? Like, let's say it's a practice. Sometimes it's really important to be at practice and depending on the team, maybe that's the expectation, Um, but there's always going to be like 400 things that we could do. There will always be, I don't care if your staff is like 10 RDs, there will always be a million things you could do. Sometimes the answer might be, yeah, like I need to go out to that practice because I need to touch base with these athletes or I need to talk to coach or whatever. But other times the answer might be like, no, I need to leave. I need to go home and see my family. I need to go get a manicure. I need to take some time for myself, work out, like whatever it is. I definitely encourage people to prioritize themselves sometimes um, and just set aside some time, like block out a lunch on your schedule. If you're getting slammed with appointments, make sure you can work out a certain time of day. Um, because those things like our profession is such a grind sometimes that athletics will chew you up and spit you out if you don't take time for yourself. Yeah, no, I definitely agree because also too, like I know for myself, like I can't be good at my job if I don't take a break and relax and you know, just going, 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 like, would you rather give 25% every day or like, you can't be on your game if, if you don't take time for yourself. Um, and I'll touch on the student part. When I look back at my senior year of college, I wish I took a nap. And that sounds really funny, but I remember I was taking 18 credits and like, I was so stressed. You're almost trying to join like every society because match, you know, matches in you know February or sorry, you apply in February. So I would like study. I wouldn't work out for like 10 days straight. Cause if I ever took a break, like, oh, my grade could like, I don't know, disappear. And don't get me wrong. It was worth it. But like, when I look back, I wish I would have been like, Hey, like it's midnight. I'm not, I could never do an all nighter anyways. It's midnight. Like let's close the book let's take a nap. And now I feel like things are normalized. Like 
let's do yoga. Like, let, I think people probably with COVID too, like people now are talking about ways to de-stress, but, but take that time for yourself because that's going to help you be productive when you get back to your work. And I wish that I like, I took a nap or I wish I like gave myself that space and I, I didn't. And in some ways it was worth it, but I would have gotten the same result as I did if I, you know, kept going or taking a nap. So take a nap. <laughs> Amen. And also I think sometimes too, students are trying to like be a part of like every society before you're trying to, or do every type of volunteering experience in order to like look competitive for the dietetic internship process. And I remember I committed to like, not way too many things, but I ended up having to back out because I couldn't balance my schoolwork and all of those commitments. So I think, you know, I rather someone, you know, put in everything they have into two things versus like just saying you're a part of the society just because it like quote unquote looks good. Like you're wasting your own time. So I don't know if that helps anyone. I know you want to try to get a little clinical, a little community, a little food service, but what whatever you can do, just put your time into it and make an impact versus like just getting as much as you can on your on your resume and probably make for a better personal statement too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Can you tell us about your role as vice president of CPSDA and any advice for students or dietitians that want to move into leadership roles in general? Yeah. So this is my third year on the board. And I will tell you when I first rolled onto the board and like looked around the room, I definitely had a moment of imposter syndrome. Like, what am I doing here with all of these amazing badass dietitians and me? Um, but luckily we're a group that challenges each other kind of all the time. So they did not let me have that deer in headlight moment too long. Um, in my first couple years in the communications chair, I think we're really important in terms of just like getting my feet wet and making so many connections with different members and members in different settings and just like starting to really understand what our membership looks like and what, who it's made up of. Um, and just all the intricacies that go into what we have our hands in at any given time. Um, so that was huge and a, a lot more like boots on the ground kind of feel. And then this year stepping into the VP role, I would say has been a lot more kind of panning out and like a 10,000 foot perspective and just starting to really look at like, what are our strategic relationships with whether it's partners and other organizations and like, how does that align with what we're trying to accomplish for our members? Um, everything we do, trying to look at, like, does this align with our mission, vision, values? Um, CPSDA has been so integral in some really big picture stuff, you know, from NCAA legislation changes to growing the profession and pushing for full-time job growth, um, but just continuing to challenge, like, we're not done yet, right? So, like, okay, we've seen all this progress, like, how can we, from a really big picture, continue to support our members and um, continue to push the bounds a little bit. And I think the other cool piece recently has been um, my oversight of the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee, um, which we all know is a long overdue topic, just in so many areas, in every area, really. And so I think we all acknowledge like dietetics as a profession has a long way to go. Um, and CPSDA is one small faction of, of the profession as a whole, but um, the conversations are started and are going to keep going. And so that's been really cool to be a part of too. And just some of that strategic discussion um, as we move forward. That's amazing. Do you have any advice for students or yeah. or dietitians? Really just any advice. Yeah. In terms of getting involved and, and stepping into leadership yeah. roles. Or just in general. Yeah. I think 
I always tell people, you know, especially since we presumably have a lot of sports RDs or sports RD to Bs listening, um, my advice is like, reach out and, you know, try to get involved. And I think sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, but reach out and don't be afraid to follow up a little bit with that. And I think it helps too, if you can be pretty specific in your skill set, right? Or like what you're interested in. I know five or six years ago, when I was starting to get a lot more involved with CPSDA, I remember reaching out to a couple different board members and just expressing interest in doing more and saying like, what I think I'm good at is social media, um, media creation, infographics, stuff like that. And that's a lot of what I did at first um, was just like creation of those kinds of things. Um, probably the biggest thing is follow through. You know, it, it's easy to want to be more involved. Um, we always get a lot of interest, like right after a conference or something where people are like, woo, like I'm so excited about everything. Um, and the reality is that just not everybody can follow through or does follow through. So if you are really interested, um, finding a way that you can reach out, um, get involved with something that, you know, fits your skill set or fits your interest, and then just like getting it done, right? Like that's what we're all about. Um, as sports dietitians is getting stuff done. So um, follow through, I think is big too. Yeah, no, I think that too. Cause I think too, as students, even if it's not like for like a big leadership role or just any opportunity. I mean, I've been there when you're like, oh, like no one reached out. Like I reached out like two weeks ago and you're like, I don't know why you're so afraid, but like you can just follow up. No one's gonna be mad at a follow-up email. But I think you just like sit there and you're like, haven't heard from them. Like if whatever, it's a job or if, if it's, you know, just like a volunteer opportunity. So like follow up and like you said, like say a specific skills, like how are you going to help them? You know, how you can make them better? Um, I think that's- Yeah, and it's, it's worth noting too that like there's not always something to be done right away. So I think that's why follow up is so important too, is there might not be something at that moment, but if you stay in touch and you continue to build your network and keep making those connections, like there will be something for sure. Keep bugging people, you know? Exactly. That seems to be my theme here today. That's amazing. Best piece of advice you've ever received in your career up to this point? Um, I think a couple things come to mind. One is just how important relationships are. And I don't think that's like mind blowing. Uh, I think almost every profession would probably say the same. There's probably some exception out there, but um, relationships are so important. And I think it's especially true for sports. Um, but I think the piece of advice that sticks out to me with that is a boss that I had early in my career. <clears throat> I don't even remember what I was upset about. Some request that the coach made that I thought was ridiculous. And he asked me, is this the hill you're willing to die on? And that really stuck with me. And I still to this day will ask myself that because it's inevitable with our profession. Like there are going to be things we don't agree with. There are going to be recommendations that we hate. And so just ask myself, like, is this the hill I'm willing to die on? Is this what I'm willing to risk this relationship with, like to, to decrease my rapport with this person or this team? And sometimes the answer has to be yes, right? Like you have to stand for some things and you have to be willing to dig your heels in sometimes. And for me, like some of those things might be a, for sure student health or safety, right? Like that's a non-negotiable. Uh, maybe it's for my staff uh, or just like our role within the organization or whatever. Like there are times where I have dug my heels in and said like, all right, we're going to, we're going to fight this one. Um, but I think a lot of times the answer really is like, no, it's, it's yeah. not like 
let it go. And I think Rob said that when you guys were talking to like, there's some stuff you got to let go. Um, and whether it's bacon on the breakfast menu too often, or I had a coach that wanted Snickers bars on the bus. Um, there's some things where you just kind of got to swallow it and the relationship is going to be more important overall. And if you keep fostering that relationship and keep building that rapport, then eventually you're, they're going to want your opinion more and you're going to have less of those scenarios where you do have to swallow some stuff. Um, so it kind of got to be willing to do it up front sometimes. Um, don't die on every hill. <laughs> no, that's a good point too, because I think using that mindset, it almost takes the pressure off yourself as a dietitian to feel like you have to solve like every problem. I think there's something I learned once was like, if the wheel's not broken, don't fix it or something. Not mm -hmm. to say that if they're Snickers, like don't get, try to get them out of there, but um, but I think it, it's helpful. And even I can look back and I was like, why did I care about something so much like two years ago? And sometimes I think it takes a few years of experience to realize that like what, where you want to spend your time, but also like how to stand your ground is super important. For sure. All right. Ready for the rapid fire round? Yes. First concert you've ever been to? Ricky Martin. Ooh. <laughs> mm -hmm. He wore silver <laughs> leather pants. <laughs> That's amazing. What's something you wish you could be good at? Mm. I wish I was artistic. Like I have really not much artistic ability in my body like painting drawing not so much you're good at infographics no yeah but that's not me like making like drawing them but I appreciate that vote of support <laughs> shout out to Canva for making us look good <laughs> yeah exactly okay what is the most frustrating laughable marketing madness product you've ever come across oh I mean so many come to mind the one that maybe right off the top of my head is the fast bar, which is literally the granola bar that you eat that keeps you fasting. Oh. Even though it it has calories and carbs and protein and fat, but somehow it's magically keeping you fasting. Where, where can I get that? Um, I, I don't even want to know. For anyone that doesn't know, but I feel like everyone knows, um, Lauren runs Link to Nutrition and is it, do you do it on a certain day, um, marketing madness or is it, is it like, it a, used to be Mondays, but now it's kind of just whatever day I'm feeling okay. sassy. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Would you rather only be able to use a fork, no spoon, or only be able to use a spoon, no fork? Oh, anybody that knows me knows I'm saying fork. I think eating things with spoons that aren't liquid is weird. Wait, so I actually feel really passionately about that. So you're saying you would use a fork? Correct. I use a fork for almost everything. What, liquid. what about soup? Well, that's liquid. That's what I'm saying. I would use a spoon for soup. Oh, but you're saying I would have to use the fork for soup. You would have, to, I guess you could just sip it. I would rather, I would rather do that than use a spoon for non spoon things. All right. Last question. Are you ready? Yep. If you could tell your younger arty self one thing, what would you say? Hmm. I think I would go back to the relationship piece. Um, and I'm a huge proponent of DISC, the DISC assessment, which is, you know, a communication slash behavioral styles thing. And there's lots of them out there. So it doesn't have to be DISC, but I would go back and tell my younger self to start utilizing that way sooner. Um, my staff uses it here. Our teams use it a lot here. It is so, so helpful to understand like why you react 
certain ways and how you communicate and then also how others do and how you can best communicate with them. I think about so many conversations, especially with coaches, for instance, that probably could have gone so much smoother if I had just had the understanding of how they best communicated. Um, I think it's huge. So I think I would go tell my younger self to, to get on that wagon sooner. Yes. No, I totally agree. I, I think we don't think about like how we react, like why we react the way we do. And then I think I said this on another episode, but like, why would I ever think that someone would react the same way I would? And that's just like, it was a huge light bulb because like you said, like people react differently. So how can you work better with them? But yeah, there's a ton of um, assessments. I believe emotional intelligence. There's like a, if you buy the book, you can get some, like, there's so many different ways. To- yeah. There's like Enneagram <laughs> really popular. right now and there's some others but whatever it is one of them can be hugely helpful i love that well lauren thanks so much for being on today boiler up Woo! boiler up hammer down thanks for having me it's good to see you good luck this weekend thank you Thanks so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another Sports Artie to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports Artie Snippets to see what Sports Artie guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so please stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.